Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360. I'm your moderator, Amanda Balby, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. As you may know, February is American Heart Month, which aims to raise awareness for the prevention of cardiovascular disease among the population. In doing our part to raise awareness today, I will be speaking with Dr. Robert S. Rosenson, who is a professor of medicine at Mount Sinai Heart at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York, New York. He is also the section editor of Lipid and Metabolic Disorders at the Journal of the American College of Cardiology and section editor of Lipid Disorders for Up-to-Date Medicine. He joins us today to discuss recent research about secondary prevention of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, or ASCVD, and its implications for clinical practice. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Rosenson. So the ASCVD risk estimator tool is recommended to be used for the primary prevention of ASCVD, but there isn't necessarily a tool for estimating risk among patients with established ASCVD. How do you appropriately risk stratify these patients? And do you think there should be or will be a risk calculator for established ASCVD? The American College of Cardiology, American Heart Association, and European Society of Cardiology guidelines have made a major effort to identifying different risk categories in patients with established atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. Individuals are either characterized as high risk or very high risk, but there turns out to be an extremely high risk population. Who are individuals at very high risk according to the ACCHA guidelines? Those are individuals with a recent acute coronary syndrome within the past 12 months, those of a history of a myocardial infarction other than that recent ACS event, a history of ischemic stroke, or symptomatic peripheral disease. The European Society of Guidelines categorize risk a little bit uh, differently. The presence of documented atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease that may be either clinical or unequivocal on imaging, clinical atherosclerotic cardiovascular event, diabetes of long duration, greater than equal to 20 years, severe chronic kidney disease with an estimated GFR less than 30 mil per minute, for 1.73 meters squared, or a family history of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease with another major risk factor. We evaluated these risk categories in an analysis of both market scan, a commercial insurance database of individuals less than 65 years of age, as well as individuals with Medicare for individuals greater than 65 years of age. And we were able to identify certain characteristics that are associated with high risk, very high risk, and extremely high risk. As compared to individuals who had high risk uh, features, who had a cardiovascular event rate of 17 per 100 person years, Those with very high-risk features by the ACCHA guidelines had a risk of 53 per 100 patient years, a risk that was 3.3-fold higher. Within the category of individuals with very high risk, we were able to stratify risk even further. Those individuals who had two or more 
atherosclerotic cardiovascular events had a, a event rate of 89.8 per 100 patient years, or five-fold higher than a high-risk individual. In contrast, individuals who had one event and multiple high-risk features, their event risk was 41.3, which is still you know, about two and a half fold higher than in a high risk individual, but certainly much lower than somebody who's had two or more major cardiovascular events. So what we can say is that most individuals have multiple risk factors when they have a major cardiovascular event, but those who've had two major events are at substantially higher risk for a recurrent cardiovascular event than those with one major event and uh, risk enhancers. We then had the opportunity to evaluate risk in individuals who had a myocardial infarction and a coronary PCI. According to evidence-based therapies, national guideline recommendations, these are individuals that are candidates for aspirin and a prescription antiplatelet agent, beta blocker, an ACE inhibitor or an androtensin receptor blocker, and high-intensity statin. We then evaluated the risk of these individuals to population without clinical cardiovascular disease and without diabetes, a so-called general population of older individuals in uh, Medicare. And our other comparison group was a population with diabetes. If you are an individual at a myocardial infarction and you receive evidence-based therapies and you are adherent to those evidence-based therapies by filling 80% or more of your prescriptions, your risk of having a recurrent cardiovascular event is 8.15-fold higher. In other words, if we as cardiologists prescribe all the evidence-based therapies, we help our patients, but we have to recognize that the residual risk remains substantially higher than uh, an individual of the same age, race, and ethnicity. Of the individuals that had a myocardial infarction who are in evidence-based therapies, what risk factors were associated with the greater uh, risk? Well, if you had coronary disease prior to the MI, uh, your risk was doubled compared to somebody without prior coronary disease before their MI. The presence of diabetes, chronic kidney disease, and heart failure increased the risk twofold, whereas having heart failure before the myocardial infarction was the strongest predictor of all-cause mortality. So we can get an idea how we can use big data to further stratify risk, even in patients who have cardiovascular disease. And why is this important? Because individuals that fall into the very high-risk or extremely high-risk category are individuals in whom we should be most aggressive with our therapy and offer some of the novel therapies to further lower their LDL cholesterol and reduce their cardiovascular uh, risk. You briefly mentioned the guidelines before, but can you elaborate on how the guidelines define risk stratification of patients with established ASCVD? And do you think the guidelines need to be updated at all? The 2018 cholesterol guidelines, the ACCHA guidelines, state that if you fall into the very high-risk category, you should be receiving maximum tolerated statin. 
But if your LDL cluster remains greater than or equal to 70 milligram per deciliter on maximum tolerated statin or high-intensity statin, you're a candidate for azetamide first, followed by a PCSK9 inhibitor. The major concern I have with this approach of beginning with azetamide followed by a PCSK9 inhibitor is that if you have somebody who's at very high risk or extremely high risk, the benefit of azetamide will take 7.4 years to manifest itself, whereas a PCSK9 inhibitor, a 2% absolute event reduction was seen at 2.2 years in Fourier and about uh, 3.3 years in the Odyssey Outcome Study. So risk assessment may provide important information to guide you with regards to one therapy or not. Patients with stable atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, in contrast to the very high-risk ASCVD patient, is a candidate for high or moderate-intensity statin. The goal is to reduce the LDL cholesterol greater than or equal to 50% uh, for a high-intensity statin or 30 to 50% with a moderate-intense statin. The problem with uh, this approach is that they're not including the LDL cholesterol thresholds, which have uh, provided important guidance for uh, clinicians and patients. Now, one year after the AHA-ACC guidelines, the European Society of Cardiology uh, guidelines for the management of dyslipidemia were uh, published. These guidelines differ in important ways from the ACCHA guidelines. Why? Because the results of the Odyssey Outcome Study, a uh, post-ACS uh, uh, trial of the PCSK9 inhibitor alirocumab, were available. So based on the inclusion of Odyssey Outcomes, the ESC uh, guidelines recommend for individuals uh, at high risk that you achieve a greater than equal to 50% reduction in LDL cholesterol from baseline, similar to ACC AHA, but also a recommended LDL cholesterol goal of less than 70 milligram per deciliter. In contrast, for individuals that are at very high risk, not only do we want greater than equal to 50% reduction in LDL cholesterol from baseline, but a more aggressive LDL cholesterol target of 55 milligram per deciliter. Why 55 milligram per deciliter versus 70 milligram per deciliter? Because the IMPROVE-IT trial and the Odyssey outcome studies in many ways were dose escalation studies. In the IMPROVE-IT trial, individuals with LDL cholesterol levels of 55 milligram per deciliter higher were eligible for randomization into uh, treatment with uh, statin monotherapy, azetamide placebo, or statin monotherapy, and azetamide 10 milligram daily. In the combination statin-azetamide group, there were further reductions in LDL cholesterol and further reductions in cardiovascular events. In the Odyssey outcome study, when the LDL cholesterol level was greater than or equal to 50 milligram per deciliter, the dose of the alirocumab could be targeted from 75 milligram every two weeks to 150 milligram every two weeks. So these studies support titration of cholesterol-lowering therapy to lower levels and lower levels of LDL cholesterol in both of these studies were associated with a lower cardiovascular event rate. What are the treatment implications for these high-risk patients? So for individuals that are very high-risk, extremely high-risk, and for some individuals that are high-risk, such as those with 
familial hypercholesterolemia who have imaging evidence of atherosclerosis, we may need to lower LDL cholesterol more than could be achieved with a statin and azetamibe. This is the population that was included in the PCSK9 inhibitor studies in large part. The Fourier trial included individuals with stable clinical atherosclerotic cardiovascular events, and the Odyssey outcome study included a post-acute coronary syndrome population. These studies both supported the use of PCSK9 inhibitors to lower LDL cholesterol and reduce the risk of recurrent cardiovascular events. And what else should our listeners know about risk stratifying patients with established ASCVD? The next uh, horizon for risk stratification in patients with established atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease is lipoprotein A. There have been multiple prospective population studies that demonstrate that high levels of lipoprotein A are associated with a higher risk of a cardiovascular event. Natural selection or Mendelian randomization studies also support a causal pathway for LPA and cardiovascular disease, most notably coronary heart disease with more limited data for higher risk of stroke. Of course, high levels of lipoprotein A are a very important genetic predictor of aortic valve stenosis. Currently, the therapies for lowering lipoprotein A are limited. Niacin lowers lipoprotein A, but uh, in combination with a statin, niacin has not been shown to reduce cardiovascular events, albeit when used for raising HDL cholesterol, a flawed uh, hypothesis. But in individuals who were enrolled in the PCSK9 inhibitor studies, a high baseline level of lipoprotein A was associated with a higher cardiovascular event rate, and the absolute benefit of PCSK9 inhibitors was greater in people with high lipoprotein A levels versus low levels of lipoprotein A. So for those individuals who also have a high lipoprotein A level, who have an elevated LDL cholesterol on statin and statin plus azetamibe, a PCSK9 inhibitor may provide incremental benefit, not only due to the additional LDL cholesterol lowering, but due to the reduction in lipoprotein A. What else is on the horizon for lipoprotein A? There are two companies that are evaluating small interfering mRNAs that lower lipoprotein A. The first study was conducted by Axia and published recently in the New England Journal of Medicine with marked reductions in lipoprotein A approaching 90%. The other study with a small interfering RNA inhibitor is soon to begin evaluating a similar population as done in the XCA study. Does lowering lipoprotein A reduce cardiovascular events? Well, that remains to be determined, but the selective inhibition of LPA provides us a tool to evaluate this hypothesis with a formal randomized placebo-controlled clinical trial. For individuals with familial hypercholesterolemia, homozygous or heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia, the LDL cholesterol levels may remain elevated despite the use of maximum targeted statin, azetamibe, and a PCSK9 inhibitor. For those individuals, the options have often been limited to LDLA phoresis. LDLA phoresis is time-consuming, expensive, 
and invasive approach. It requires either an indwelling catheter or for some individuals who can accommodate two venous access sites of the use of an IV. There are therapies that lower LDL cholesterol in patients with homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia that include lomidopide and a newer agent that has been evaluated called evanocumab. Evanocumab is an angiopoietin-like 3 protein inhibitor that has been shown to lower LDL cholesterol by uh, 50% in patients with homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia based on uh, press release from the sponsor of that trial. What effect does evanocumab have in patients with heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia? That's a topic of an ongoing trial. But the point is that there are newer therapies that are being evaluated for our patients with extremely high uh, cardiovascular risk. Great. Thank you again for sharing your insight on these important studies today. Well, it's my uh, pleasure to, you know, share um, our work that has uh, been uh, devoted to further assessment of cardiovascular risk to identify individuals who are extremely high risk and very high risk, individuals who deserve our attention with regards to the full complement of available cholesterol-lowering therapies and other preventive therapies. These are individuals who we attempt to offer some of the novel treatments that are available that include uh, PCSK9 inhibitors and hopefully in the near future, other cholesterol-lowering approaches. For more information about these studies discussed here, please see the list of references below this podcast.